everybody to the BTR podcast. Before we get started, we just want to thank everyone for 50 subscribers. And we're trying to get 100 by the end of the month. So if you haven't, please subscribe. As always, our links will be down in the description below for our social media. We have dropped some of our TikTok content and as well as on Instagram Reels, slowly on YouTube Shorts as well. Without further ado, let's get started. NBA yeah, 3-0 series for two. Both conference zone. finals, yeah, 3-0. Uh, we'll start off with the Lakers Nuggets. So uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, uh, do we have to talk about this? <laughs> yes, yes we do. Uh, I'm obviously annoyed, a little choked. Um, Nuggets have surprised me for sure a little bit not saying they were not a good team from before i just thought they weren't going to be this good and to be honest I, i'm looking at social media and just listening to some analysts and neither did they yeah um before we get started at recapping games i just want to ask you this are Jokic and murray the best duo in the nba i mean they're playing like it right now in the, in the playoffs what i consider them for the whole season probably not top five but if you're talking about just playoffs for sure yeah the number one yeah, they have to be number one because they're outplaying LeBron and AD, in my opinion. That's why you, oh, they they're are, up 100% three, they are. They're up 3-0, and uh, they've been better than the other duels. Like, they, beated, they beat uh, Durant and Booker, and they're playing better than Tatum and Brown right now as well. Yeah, well, before we can uh, let you start with the Nuggets, just want to thank, uh, sorry, say sorry to the Nuggets fan, uh, fans out there, the Nuggets media. I definitely underestimated this team. They are definitely up there when it, when it comes to the level of the Lakers. Um, yeah, they, they've definitely surprised me for sure. Yeah, so into the Nuggets, we'll just say Jamal Murray. We'll call him Hamal Murray because he's playing like him right now. Like, Mr. Fourth Quarter in the second game and uh, the 30-point half in the first half in Game 3 obviously kept Nuggets in the game in the first half as well. Yeah, um, like I said, when we were doing our preview for the series a couple of pods ago, uh, a couple of episodes ago, it was uh, I said the key was Jamal Murray. Um, I knew Jokic was going to do Jokic things, and to be honest, Jokic hasn't been Jokic like Game One Jokic in these last two games, but he was still capable of doing things. Um, like Game Two, for example, Jamal Murray sucked for the first three quarters, and no, there was no surprise that the Lakers were winning even with AD struggling that at that time. And then fourth quarter comes, and Jamal Murray decides to not miss a shot, essentially, except for one. Yeah, and then he continued that momentum into game three with a 30-point half. And, but the thing about Nuggets, the reason why they won game two and three, in my opinion, is because they made timely buckets, right? They like they made the clutch points in the fourth quarter while you guys didn't, and then that just led to a 3-0 deficit for you guys. I mean, another key thing is like the role players. KCP in game three just went off. Like He returns to the Staples Center. And just reignited himself. Uh, wasn't like he was hitting timely threes, like you said, when when the Lakers made a comeback or, or took the lead back. Um, yeah, it it was definitely a struggle. From compared to Game One, Game One, Lakers played like a perfect offense, but their defense was struggling. Game Two, they got better, especially with the rebounding side of things. Um, but their offense struggled a bit. AD struggled on the field. Obviously, still ended up with 18 points, but a lot of that was on the line. Um, yeah, um, but the Nuggets, like you said, like timely possessions, well-coached team, um, made some stops when they needed to, and Lakers just couldn't buy a three after or even a bucket in general. Yeah, but like for role players, like your role players are playing well too. Rui, Hachimura, and the Austin Reeves have been good in the series. The problem with that is they've also been probably our best players on a consistent basis, whereas like LeBron struggled a little bit from shooting side of things, and then AD struggled in game two, but obviously had a good game one and three. Um, yeah, no, like... I'm definitely surprised, but the thing with this series also is it. I'm glad it's not like 
each game was a blowout. Like every game had a time at the end where either team could have won it uh, until like the Nuggets ran away with it in the fourth quarter. I would yeah, say. there were close games. Uh, for there sure. were close games. The three zero obviously can be little deceiving, but at the end of the day, wins matters, and that's that's what happened here. Yeah. Um, ultimately, for me, it just falls on D'Angelo Russell because you guys are a better team when he is scoring the ball, and he hasn't been doing that. So, uh, yeah, I just think if he could get, like, 15-plus points, you will win a game. And it's it's, it's shown in the postseason that well, way. Well, 17-plus. 17-plus? 17-plus. But, no, you're but right. It's still the same thing. It doesn't um, matter. <laughs> you need to score. Yeah. Um, it's time for me, like, the keys for the next game, if the Lakers want to avoid getting swept here. Um, do I think they need to put DeAndre Russell off the bench for sure now? I think it's time. I think the defense that Dennis Schroeder uh, brings in uh, will be key for that. Even though Jared Vanderbilt did decent to start off with him. But even like I know last episode you said Rui should be starting. I don't mind Rui coming off the bench. Clearly he's put the buckets. Jared Vanderbilt's purely in for the defense. But the problem with that is you were hoping DeAndre Russell would go off on the scoring line of things or even playmaking, finding, uh, finding players. To uh to get easy buckets, which he because he is the point guard at the end of the day, but he Austin Reeves is more of that right now. So like for me, I think I'm still fine with Jared Vanderbilt starting, but even if you put him off the bench, I don't mind that either for Rui Hachimura because it is desperate times. But Dennis Shooter, I feel like should be starting, and D'Angelo Russell needs to embrace that six and nine mentality. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, that's for sure. Um, like at the end of the day, if you're struggling, you gotta make a change, right? And then Darvin Ham has to make a change. Yeah. Just I, do something because now your season is on the line. I, right. I do feel like like this is why I struggle with Darvin Ham as the coach. Like it's first year, so I haven't like I'm not gonna say go fire Darvin Ham. I mean we're in the conference finals for a reason. But he does sometimes even back when with Westbrook and Beverly, he especially with Patrick Beverly, he gets like so attached to them playing like a three guard lineup, which I yeah, sucks right now because it worked for the Warriors because they're much smaller. It does not work with this Nuggets team, especially when you see Michael Porter Jr. just shooting over top of um, Austin Reeves, who's guarding him half the time, or whatever the case is. Jamal Murray's making tough shots over the smaller guys. They have, I mean, to be fair, he also hits some over AD. But I mean, if if they want to avoid the sweep again, I'm all I'm still a Laker fan. I hope they come back. Am I delusional? Obviously not, because I do think the Nuggets will take this in five eventually. Um, but like, obviously, I'm going to root for the history here to get uh, – there's a chance of history to come four, and I'm not going to take that away. I have that small belief. But when it comes to game four, the keys have to be them making timely shots and holding um, – I mean, they did a w- decent job with Jokic, but, like, Jamal Murray, who's the reason why they're winning the series 3-0, um, you know, how he was – essentially how he started game two. Yeah. Um, basically, it's like the – Bubble Murray's back right now. He's fully healed from his uh, ACL tear. So it took him some time, but like he's playing like all-star. He, he's playing like Bubble Murray. And it, this Nuggets team is legit. Yeah. Should win, in my opinion. Do you win think it all. Do you think it's a sweep? Or do you think the Lakers will get one and then gentlemen sweep, as they would say, in game five and lose at Denver? I think Lakers will get game four. How much of a chance and a percentage-wise do you think? LeBron could pull this off. Obviously, I'm not saying just LeBron, but like the Lakers yeah, pull this um, off. I mean, LeBron was the first ever to come back from a 3-1 in and, the finals. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to put it past him, but... He is 38. 
Yeah, he is 38, but like at With the a end bum of, ankle. At the end of the day, like he's still LeBron, so I'm still gonna have a little bit of belief. Obviously, I'm not gonna rule him out. Like 80 20, 80 20. Huh? 80 percent. Uh, Nuggets win it. Oh, uh, still like, still a 10 percent chance, maybe. Oh, so you're giving just max 10? Yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna no, say. It's fair, fair for sure. I'm not gonna say it's over because I still like the Lakers team on paper, but. At the end of the day, DeAndre Russell got to score the ball for yeah, the no, win for I, me. I mean, yeah, like, do I want to be a biased fan and say Lakers in seven? Sure. But the way this Nuggets team is playing, um, that coaching, the cohesiveness of how they're playing this, it's, it, I, can't, I can't ignore it. But, you know, for the keys for the Lakers, um, what do you think are going to be outside of DeAndre Russell? Uh, yeah, um, it just straight up just outperformed. Like LeBron and AD need to be better than Jokic and Murray in my opinion. And just simple as that, they haven't been better than them in all three yeah. games. AD definitely was on par with Jokic. I'm not saying that he was the better guy. I still think Jokic performed a little better than AD. But yeah, you're right. Jamal Murray can't be the second best player in the series. He has to be like the fourth, if you want to say it, out of the four of them. Um, the other key is for me, the transition defense. Is, and like The Lakers defense has been one of the best in the NBA since the trade deadline. But a lot of that is because of the half-court defense. This transition defense has been horrible. Like every time, and then you have a guy like Jokic just getting the rebound, and he's no, you know, slouch in passing. We know he's one of the greatest passing big men of all time. So you could just quarterback pass it down the uh, court to whoever is open, whether it be Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., KCP, whoever, right? So the key is can can we hold down the transition buckets and can Darvin Ham not be stubborn with D'Angelo Russell starting. I definitely believe he has to be off the bench for sure for the Lakers to have a chance. Yeah, and also credit to the Nuggets because they're always pushing the pace, right? Like, there's a reason why you guys are out of position. One is, yeah, you guys are being a little bit lazy, but two, they're always pushing the pace, which I really liked over all three games. And so, yeah, so that's why I believe that your transition defense has been bad. So if I'm the Nuggets, I'm just going to keep on pushing the pace, keep pushing the pace, grading down the floor as fast as you can and try to get easy buckets as many times as you can. Yeah. Um. So your prediction game four, you got you you're giving it to the Lakers. Yeah, I'll give it to the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, my my predictions have been horrible this whole playoffs. Uh, you've been right, so I hope you're right in this time. But I, mean, I agree. I think a Lakers. I think the Lakers will have will come out guns blazing essentially and take this game and hopefully force and uh get the game in Denver as well before we come back home for six. All right, moving on to the other three O in the Eastern Conference, Heat Celtics. Heat take a three O series lead today with a massive, massive W over the Celtics. Um, I guess my question to you is, are, obviously you're more of a neutral in this because I have some Lakers bias, but as an NBA fan, even though I know you're not a Celtics guy either because of the Raptors, how surprised are you? And are you more disappointed like as an NBA fan that like the Celtics aren't making this competitive at times? Yeah, 100%. I'm disappointed as an NBA fan. And, uh, yeah, I would say I'm for sure I'm more biased to the Heat just because of Kyle Lowry as well. Yeah. But, like, one thing that caught my eye is that Jimmy Butler has help. Yeah, Which no, was sure. my biggest question mark. And he, he's he been playing well, obviously, but, like, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, and obviously our big topic was Bam Adebayo, who's yeah. just been aggressive, which we wanted we wanted him to be. Yeah, because, like, obviously I'm disappointed in the Lakers, but if you're talking – if you take my bias out of that, um, I think this is a way a more um, – what disappointing series in terms of the Celtics because the Heat are the eighth seed. They were I understand they took out the Bucks pretty easily. With, uh, they took out the Knicks. Knicks pretty easily, but they they were also a team that almost missed out losing to the Bulls, 
they already lost to the Hawks in the beginning. And obviously, again, the same thing I said about the Nuggets. I'm saying it to the Heat. Uh, did not expect this. I thought the Celtics were a much better team for sure. I thought this was going to be a Jimmy Butler carried series. But like you said, a lot of help came. Like for uh, today's game, um, as a t- at the time of this recording, uh, was not a Jimmy Butler bam game, right? Like I'm gonna pull up the stats. It was a uh, Gabe Vincent hit some crazy shots. Caleb Martin's been playing well. He did good in game two, and he did good in game three. Max Struss has been pretty good as well. So like, just their role players stepped up while the Celtics role players. If you it. if you were to tell me that a game where Jimmy Butler where is he right there 16 points eight rebounds six assists shooting five for 13 would have won you a game by was it 30 yeah like close to 30 points you would be like nah <laughs> that's not happening yeah. not even just jimmy bam bam at a bio him also had 13 points so it's like the guys um like you said gabe vincent 29 points right caleb martin 18 points a guy who was benched during the season Duncan Robson dropped 22 points. And it wasn't even just three-point shooting. I saw him driving to the rack when I was watching the first half a bit there, right? Um, and then on top of that, you got Jimmy's, like, obviously, Jimmy's leadership. Jimmy draws the attention. But even that Kevin Love started off the first five points of the game. And even Max Struess, 10 points. But I'm sure, yeah, he, he struggled shooting. But I'm sure there was still some presence. But, yeah, um, I just, I'm very surprised for sure. I thought the Celtics would have had a better game plan for the Heat. And the one thing, I guess, like you said about Bam with Bam Adebayo, even though this was 13 points, I think last game he never hit the 20s, but he had like 18 or something. You could, If you're watching the game, you could see he's been more aggressive offensively and defensively. Today, I think it was like two alley-oop slams that he put out. It was like, it was like that was the Bam I wanted to see. And he also broke Jalen Brown's ankles, which yeah. is pretty funny. And a nice slam to finish that off. But the thing is like, Numbers are numbers, yeah, good to have numbers. But like at the end of the day, if you're doing the eye test, you want to see the player have an impact. Yeah, and Bam's having Bam's an impact. Bam's having that for sure. Like yeah. that was, at times in the past, you would see Bam not Bam would pass up like like a Ben Simmons type where he would pass up that shot and give it like kick it out for an even low percentage shot. He's not doing that this time, right? He's following the rebound. I think game two at the end, he had that crazy that offensive rebound that helped him, right? Um, yeah, it's it's uh, the Heat blew my expectations i thought this was they were gonna barely get two wins they obviously on the verge getting two on the road on the celtics at td bank is in a td garden td garden yeah um it, it's insane man like I, I jimmy butler again game one he obviously went nuts but game two obviously when you poke the bear and which we'll get into in, on the celtics side of things in a second he took that on his back right like today he like okay you know what um gabe vincent you're cooking i'm gonna let you uh take the reins here but in that game when he needed when they were losing and then they went on that huge run to close out game two, he, he, he played like Himmy Butler, right? He As was. people want to say it. So, yeah, uh, I've, again, like we've said many times before, other than maybe like one or two players, I've never seen a playoff performer like this. Um, but anything else you want to say about the Heat how impre- other than being how impressed you were with them? I'm just so surprised, like, they're playing this well. And, like, yes, they made it this far, which is already good on them, but, like, the Celtics team, I just like, just so shocked, like how the Heat role players are actually like, gonna help them win the series because the Celtics role players are not doing good well. Yeah, um, I guess we go switch over to the Celtics now. Yeah, let's go to Celtics. Jalen Brown's been disappointing. Um, um, obviously I missed a bit of the game that the first two, uh, but just seeing the, on the numbers and just watching him play today, like today Jason Tatum was not good, 
I think everybody. No, no one, one was 20. good today, man. You're losing by 30 in the third quarter. Like, yeah, like you can't, if you look at the stats today, it was like you can't. Their best player. Was you can't take Grant any Williams off yeah. the bench with. <laughs> yeah, the but you, like you can't take any positive from today's no, performance. No, for sure. Like like Jalen Brown definitely, uh, twelve points today, sixteen the game before. First game he had twenty two. Uh, he's been struggling hitting shots. He's been you know, struggling just in general. Jason Tatum massive game game two today no show. Uh, a lot of the times he is looking for foul calls, but it's the playoffs. He, he's golf. You got to suck it up now, but. Just watching the Celtics is something because you. Um, the reason why I had them winning a lot is like I saw them in that Sixers series to close out game uh, six and seven, how they leveled up, right? I guess the tough part is Al Horford can. I'm not saying he's unplayable, but he doesn't have like that big he needs to guard. Like Bam's a l- little bit more athletic in my opinion than Joel Embiid is, right? Yeah. So he could like he'll run around. He's a little faster, jump higher. Embiid, yes, he's great footwork, but he's not like you wouldn't classify him as like a, a super athletic guy. So I'm not sure how he's doing on the defensive end. But the the key takeaway for me is how Joe Mazzulla is coaching this game to Eric Spolstra. There's a reason why Eric Spolstra is probably considered a top five coach all time, maybe uh, just in the adjustments. And maybe like people are arguing that um, when Jason Tatum was going off in that game too. He started doubling them, right? He started forcing Jalen Brown, who couldn't take off that pressure. Marcus Smart, um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and all these guys. But he never did that with Jimmy Butler, right? And that's until, like, I think it was already a 20-point game until this game. Like, so Joe Mazzulla didn't double-team Jimmy Butler. Which yeah. is like I don't understand how you until not, this game. Like, how do you after. not do that? Like, and then on top of that, like okay, I was listening to the pregame, uh, pregame show. Reggie Miller was saying like, yes, you uh, Grant Williams poked the bear, but he's the only one showing energy out there at least, right? Like he is in Jimmy Butler's face. Yeah, it's a stupid thing to do because it's Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler was just yeah. laughing. But yeah, you should not poke the bear, but. The fact that you still let Grant Williams single coverage Jimmy Butler and he was cooking him in that fourth quarter with the last like five, six minutes to go and you still wouldn't double him and you still wouldn't take him out till you blew the lead was mind boggling to me. So like my point for this is like we credit coaches for like, you know, doing these crazy adjustments that we like unexpect and they actually work, right? Yeah. But like the way they get criticized, like. Is because they do the most like obvious things. This is like we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know the X's and O's. But we know it's obvious that like if their player, their best player in Jimmy Butler is going off, all star, potential Hall of Famer, you double team him, alright? You can't let yeah. him go one on one and let him cook you. It's just simple as that. Like this is common sense not to all of us, alright? Like yes, there's X and O's, we don't know, right? I don't know what the X's and O's are saying, but like common sense is saying Double team Jimmy Butler. Yeah, uh, I, you will live with a game like a Gabe Vincent game if Jimmy Butler doesn't get you going. I mean, yeah, like at times it's tough. Would you rather have Jimmy go for fifty but everybody else locked down? Well, it doesn't matter if he's gonna keep hitting his shots at that stage of that game, especially right. right. But here's my, here's my question to you: Ime Odoka coached this team to the finals last year. Started off two and zero, I think, against the Warriors, and obviously ended up losing to the Warriors in six. Do you think Joel Mazzula, obviously young coach, I think he's in his 30s, if I'm not mistaken, um, was it premature to give him that full-time duty and not give Ime Udoka, uh like a chance to come back? Like, Do you think Mazzula should have had the full-time duty uh, based on what the regular season was? I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like they just wanted to get away from the drama. 
So, yeah, maybe they did rush a decision. But, like, Joe Mazzulla did get him past a seven-game series, right? Yeah. So, like, he's shown some potential, obviously. I mean, still in the conference finals. But here's the thing, right? He's a young guy. Even if Udoka wasn't the guy to come back, obviously hindsight being 2020, because obviously they made him full-time near the end of the regular season. Nick Nurse is available. Monty Williams is available. Heck, if you want to bring Doc Rivers back, which I don't think was the right, it would be the right fit, anyways. But these guys were are made available, right? Mike Budenholzer. But I guess to your point, yeah, he did come back from the seven, uh, came come back three two against the Sixers in seven, and uh, he was he obviously knew the system well because he was the assistant there. Yeah, there's there's no coaching need change needed. Joe Mazzulla has done well. First year head coach, oh, obviously you're gonna learn. Don't get me wrong. About, I'm not saying fire him. Yeah. I'm just saying like they had the opportunity to still keep him interim until Idoka was able to come back. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, if you're like having that good of a regular season, you made it to the conference finals, right? The results shown that like he is capable. And like at the end of the day, it just you gotta learn, right? Darwin Ham needs to learn, he needs to learn for first For-sure. year coaches. 100%. So like at the end of the day, like it's not like it's a bad season, but at the end of like the expectation the way they're going out is bad the expectation is obviously you know final because the bucks are out but like the way the way they're like going out is really bad at the end of the day if they yeah. get swept that's that's pretty embarrassing it's in my pathetic, opinion pathetic performance before i ask you this question um the heat role players a lot of them are either late picks or undrafted picks right let's just say you were an undrafted player or a late second round player is it just automatically like if you're undrafted especially that i'm gonna I hope the Heat call me. I hope the Raptors call me, or even the Lakers with how they developed Austin Reeves, Alex Cruz, so even Talon Horn Tucker back then. Like, is that like an automatic through <laughs> hope the three guys yeah, call like, you? Yeah, like the way they find these undrafted players and develop them is like insane to me. It is insane. Um, at the end of the day, like Gabe Vincent undrafted, Duncan Robinson was like a D three player, I believe. Yeah, and he's like he performed well in his first year. Obviously, struggled and showing up in the right time right now as well. Caleb Martin was out the league. Caleb Martin, like. Cody Zeller was the biggest one. Like, he's getting playoff minutes, and he had no job after leaving. I think it was Portland he ended up yeah, being his last so, team. I mean, like, it's just good scouting, good developing. like And the injuries. Just to no Tyler to Hero as their second yeah. scorer. Yeah. Um, I guess, final question before we wrap this up. If uh, anything, be- sorry, before you want to close out with just the Heat Celtics. Uh, Celtics is embarrassing. It's pathetic. And I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> okay so here, here's my question to you obviously both the conference finals are at 3-0 yeah. right heat up 3-0 nuggets up 3-0 more surprising end is the heat if you were to put money on the line right now who comes back from obviously i don't think both i think both of them are done at least in five do you think two questions one which one is more likely to sweep and two which one's the more likely to come back from the 3-0 I'm going with the Lakers to come back with 3-0. Reason being, one, I still, like, LeBron's done it, right? Like, I still have the belief in him. The, but the problem with that is 38 years old. Yeah, I know, but, like, at the end of the day, he's done it, right? The Celtics, yeah. like, LeBron's there. Like, the Celtics, to me, look like they're out of it. The Lakers are at least, like, putting up fights, you know? Mazzula did say, sorry to cut you off there, Mazzula did say, I think I saw a report before we started recording, that he did kind of lose the locker room a little bit. Yeah. Which so is like, weird to say. At yeah. Uh, that's just unacceptable at this point on the Celtics part. And also another point is that like the toughest game to win to when you're doing a reverse sweep is the first game. And the first game is on Lakers home court. And Lakers home court, they only lost one game at which home, which was game. last game. So like 
feel once you get one game, you know, you start feeling yourself a little bit. And the Lakers have the advantage of being at home yeah. doing it. So that's why I also believe that the Lakers also won't get swept either. So that's why if they could get one game rolling, maybe if DeAndre Russell could get rolling, they could pull it off. But like, I don't see it happening for any team. As for the sweep, I'm guessing you said the Celtics. I'm going with the Celtics, yeah. Because because it, it's mainly because Miami's home. And My, Miami's home and just Celtics just look defeated. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hope you're right about the Lakers, but I do agree with that. I, I honestly, the whole logic you said there, I, I 100% agree. I, I can't deny what you said, um, mainly because of the home court side of things as well. Because it's obviously the Lakers being down 2-0 originally was like how you experienced as a Raptor fan. Because clearly, you're wearing the shirt. Right, we saw it with the Kings earlier uh, and the Warriors that they had the potential to tie the series back up. Obviously, it did not happen. The Heat were up away, so yeah, I, I guess I agree with you. I think the more likely sweep, which will be the more disappointing result, is the Celtics. And yeah, um, Lakers will come back from four three if possible. But I guess ultimately, uh, final predictions from both sides. I think Lakers will be done in five. Um, and I guess in your saying sweep. I'm saying Heat will finish the job, and I'll say Lakers lose in five. Moving on from one South Florida eight seed from the NBA to now the NHL, who also has an eight seed from South Florida. The Florida Panthers are up 2-0 against the Carolina Hurricanes uh, in the NHL Eastern Conference Finals for the Eastern Conference. Um, Two overtime wins, the first one being four OTs in game one. Uh, <laughs> almost five if Kachuk did not... Dis- if Kachuk... Yeah, there was like 30 seconds left, I believe. Not, no, less than that. I think it was 12. <laughs> Actually? Yeah. Oh, wow. And then the, the second game, which happened yesterday, was an, another overtime win. The NHL playoffs, in terms of drama, have been better than the NBA. They've in terms always of the, been better. In terms of the Eastern Conference. In terms of the... In, uh, sorry, in terms of the conference final, sorry. They've been better in general. In the uh, past few years. I feel like the second round NBA was, but... Anyways, enough about that. But yeah, Florida, um, two overtime wins. Kachuk scoring both overtime winners. The first one, we were watching it in my room. Our cousin came over and we're just like, okay, and and this now. <laughs> like we were tired. We had stuff to do. Um, you, let's just talk about the overtime quickly in the four overtime game. Kachuk was quiet for most of that game. I, was I thought because when game. I was watching it or listening on the radio, um and then obviously came out of nowhere in the overtime it just he's clutch i guess (laughs) like he's churned up at the right time when his team needed him most um but it was a good game good goalie battle too freddie anderson and uh sergey bobrovsky both making especially in overtime 50 plus saves 60 plus saves i believe bobrovsky had so the fact that uh, kachuk was able to finish it off was actually good because I saw half the team celebrate with Kachak, half the team go to Bobrovsky, which was well deserved. Yeah. But yeah, I love the goalie battle. Right? Like so that that's no question mark for me anymore. Carolina was um definitely dominating early on. So Bobrovsky had to be big. Yeah, hundred percent. And then that is one of the keys for Florida winning. And yeah, Kachak showed up in the right time, both games as well. But another key factor for Florida is Alexander Barkov who scored in both games as well. That was a nice goal in that game, too. Yeah, game two was such a nice goal. The fake through the legs and f- bring it back and just backhanded uh, it. And, uh, uh, what a time to do it. They were down one nothing that game as well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, uh, they were down 1-0. Jalen Chatfield got the first goal for the Canes, and then Barkov with the goal, and Kachuk again in game two. Beauty goal again. Another beauty goal, good team goal. Uh, power play, too. So it was a, I think it was a poor penalty. 
No, no. So it was a penalty that saved the game. Like Kalkaniemi had to do it because he had bad body position. Otherwise, the game would have finished in regular play. Yeah. Like not in regular time, like, you know, just normal five on five play. Yeah. So he took the penalty, saved the goal, but then they scored on that power yeah. play. And then just a great team goal. The guy who continues to impress me, I didn't know much of him before this series, or sorry, before the playoffs started, Carter Verhage. Um, Even like when I'm coming back and I'm listening to on the radio, I just hear Carter Verhage, Carter Verhage. He's just so involved, which is like so impactful, impactful for Florida Panthers. Yeah, it, it was definitely disappointing overall, like if Florida did not make the playoffs, because you think of the, the rosters they have in Matthew Kachuk leading the way, um, Alexander Barkov, uh, now Bobrovsky stepped up. And on top of that, you got the Sams, both Bennett and Reinhardt also in contributing. Brandon Montour in the back end, so Ekblad as well. Ekblad, yeah. So, yeah, no, um, I definitely did not expect, again, did not expect this from Florida like that. But looking back at it, I, I was just giving Carolina the edge. I guess we'll flip over to Carolina now. Um, that I guess the injuries are finally catching up to them and they can't match Florida's speed and skill in that sense. Uh, no, Carolina's issue... Like, yes, okay, that could be a thing. But, like, I completely disagree because Carolina's issue is find a way to score because Bobrovsky just shutting the door. Like, they've had chances, right? Yeah, so, man. the series is far from over. Like, two overtime wins. Yes, but, I know you lost on home ice. That's but, what I'm saying, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't think that matters because, like, Carolina's been good on the road this playoff series, like, this playoff postseason. And... Two very close games, tight games. I mean, overtime, you can't yeah. you can't really different differentiate between the both teams right now that much, other than Florida having that extra edge in overtime. The problem with me is like I get it, you're going that Rangers Devils route where the Devils reverse home swept in a way. I uh, uh, I think Florida will split this. <laughs> They're at their home, but I agree with you. It's been close games. Anything could have happened, but the way Bobrovsky is playing. It reminds me of that Washington run when they started Grubauer then and then Hopi just carried the way in net for them. This is what I feel like this Florida team is. Um, I mean, I will stick with... I, I don't know if I should stick with my original pick in Carolina, but I think Florida might be able to edge this out. I don't think it's a sweep. I feel like this could be... No, it can't be a sweep. So you're pretty much... Are you confident in Carolina winning the two? I'm not confident in Carolina winning two because at the end of the day, if there's like games suggest... They could lose another one in overtime, right? Yeah. But I went with Florida f- to with six. I believe I said it on the earlier one of the earlier episodes. So I'm gonna stick with that. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't get all uh, that. I'm not gonna trade. <laughs> but like Carolina's far from done. They're far from done. Yeah, uh, it's tough for sure. But my question, <laughs> I have a question about overtimes with you. Um, me and you always talk like NHL overtimes are fun, fun. But now we're experiencing the long overtimes. We've, um, you still enjoy the long overtimes, or do you, or do you prefer it to be done after like max? Yeah, two? like it's good to have like one or two like that. But at the end of the day, like overtime is good because it's good and bad. The keeps good, you in the edge of your seat. Yeah, keeps you in the edge of the seat. One goal finishes all. Like if you're a fan of the team, like it's probably the biggest stress you're ever gonna have in your life. Uh, and then uh, the good is because like they want to score, right? So they're gonna keep on shooting the puck. So there's gonna be chances. The bad is that like the level drops. It's not the level; it's just the the risk taking drops, yeah. right? Like at the end of the day, you know, take some risk, score goals, right? Make some plays, keep the puck in your own end, like it's, pass it around your own net a little bit to progress. I guess because it's game one. I guess obviously you, you can't say any game. Every game matters, right? 
Uh, but it's like the stakes weren't as high as it would have been in like an elimination game. Well, yeah, hundred percent. But like, right? it was funny. Like a funny story. I think when Bexa and the Canucks played Dallas back in 07, Bexa shared this on the panel. He's like, Mike Badano at one point was like, just somebody score already, right? So I feel like at times, like obviously the players know they have to play this, but at the same time, even as fans, like we're tired <laughs> as well. So it's, but yeah, no, I agree with you in that sense. Like I would prefer it end in two, but sometimes. It depends on the day you have. It's like, I want to see more, just especially you want to be at the edge of your seat, especially if it's not your team. <laughs> yeah, right? Because like that day we're like, you know, our cousin came over. So we're like, yeah, we'll just chill with them, right? Yeah. But then the game was on. We're like, shit, the game's going on, right? Like we're trying to finish the game, obviously, because we want to watch the goal. But at the end, same same time, we're like, yo, I want to do some other things yeah. instead of just sit here and watch the game. So, that, yeah. That being said, you how, how do you think floor? Rever- uh, this homestand will go for Florida. I think it will be a split, in my opinion. And I think Carolina will get game three. Uh, I think it will be... Obviously, Freddie Anderson will be back in that because Antti Ranta went in game two. And he did well, and it's understandable why, because, you know, long overtime game. And a Freddie bit Anderson rest. has injury history. Yeah, injury history and also a 50-plus save performance yeah. as well. So, like, I get the rest... Yeah, anti Ranta didn't even do bad in that game, right? The goalie battle was still good. 2-1 game, obviously. Yeah. So, like, Freddie Anderson will be back, and I feel like Freddie Anderson will steal the game. Like, he'll keep it... He'll put that doubt in Florida Panthers' minds I forwards th- to, like, oh, how can I score on this dude? Like, how Bobrovsky has done with the Carolina forwards. I think it's going to be the same way when Toronto. I think Florida will edge out game three. But I think they'll choke game four, and then they will bring a little panic because at the end of the day, like you said, uh, Carolina might be far from over even if it's 3-0. I still think it'll be tough. But yeah, I, I agree it'll be the split and then we'll see what happens at Carolina. But moving on to the Western Conference, Dallas versus Vegas, also two overtime games. Well, and the funny part is from the four overtime, almost five, <laughs> it went to like two minutes for the rest of the overtimes that happened. Yeah. Which we'll talk about now with Vegas and Dallas. So yeah, Vegas ended both games, game one and in game two today within like three minutes, I believe, even even lesser time. Yeah. And then obviously Florida's game two was less than two minutes. And then you have the four overtime, which where Florida and Carolina played like two games. Uh, yeah, but so Vegas game one, Vegas was in control. Like Vegas had the game in control until Dallas went up 1-0 because of a... Just a little bad turnover by Vegas. And then that's where uh, Jason Robertson got his first goal. Yeah, he finally came into the series. And now he's alive because he also got a goal today. Yeah. And today's game, which is funny because uh, Dallas was a better team. Yeah. And then they had more shots. But then they did the bad turnover at the end of uh, at the end of the game, which caused it to go to overtime. And then once it's an overtime, anything could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, Jason Robertson was definitely getting carried in these playoffs more, right, by Rupe Hens and then Joe Pavelski. This time, he stepped up, scored the two big goals to tie it last game, I believe, and then take the lead this game. No, no, he scored one goal. Uh, Jamie Benn scored on the the, the goal okay, to tie yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, watch, it was like when I was watching this game, I didn't know what to take out of it. It was just like back and forth as well. Like, yeah, I felt like Vegas dominated game one, like you said. And Dallas more so this game. I thought Dallas had it. And then, boom, they, they let it in late, right? Um, I, I just don't know what to take away. Like, obviously, I had Dallas in six, I think, or seven. But this one, like, obviously, Vegas was home. So it's 2-0 for Vegas as well. 
I think the way these games are going, same similar to the Eastern side, I think Dallas could easily win the two at home as well and make it a series. Yeah, it's far from over for sure. Uh, at the end of the day, as long as Ottinger is playing well, they always have yeah. a chance in my opinion. And he's played well in this series. Yeah. As long as Aiden Hill, he's played well too. He's played well, but Vegas is also helping a lot defensively. Um, like obviously again, Mark Stone. I don't know how he's doing it with the, the multiple back surgeries. He's he's been doing well. Jonathan Marshall's made a name again, uh, as well. So it's 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 going um, well. It's gonna be. I feel like this could be a seven gamer, assuming um, Vegas does not split the home. But even then, like, but I I, I have a feeling Dallas wins two at, in Dallas. Yeah, I th- they have. That's to, my like, prediction. They're desperate now, right? Like, yeah, they're not out of it because they lost two road games, right? So like. They didn't like they didn't do their job because the mission is to always win at least one away game. Yeah. But like they didn't lose anything because you lost two away games, right? You yeah. still have your two home ice games. They performed better on home ice than playing away this postseason as well. So at the end of the day, if the series is like how it's going right now, I believe Dallas will win game three and game four. So I agree with you with that. So it just I just think that Vegas is just they have control all four like the control they're in control like a lot of the games because like all four lines are just they're going yeah. they have them all four going and then yeah, dallas has them going too but like dallas's first line which is probably one of the best first lines this season with pavelski robertson and hence they just they gotta find a way to like pack in some points yeah. these next two games right they're yeah. gonna be the key for dallas to win this game because i believe Ottinger will show up these next two games and they will Ottinger will give him like a vintage performance to win. They're predicting what he did against Calgary last year. Yes. For both of these games. So it's just up to the those three players and also the other forwards just to put in some goals. Because it is Aiden Hill in net. So I feel like Aiden Hill will have one bad game and I feel like Dallas Dallas will destroy one game. Yeah. I feel like the other game it will be a tight Dallas victory. Yeah. Um yeah. So I guess close it out here. Let's go back to the Florida side of things. How much do you think Florida's partying right now, man? Two eight seeds, Miami's like on the verge of the NBA finals and Florida is in the driver's seat for the NHL Stanley Cup finals. (laughs) How bad do you want to be dumb right now? I mean, (laughs) like I'm liking it because like I'm going for them because Miami, one is underdog story. I love going for, everyone loves rooting for underdog story. But Miami has Kyle Lowry, obviously Raptor ties. Florida has Luongo in the front office, Canucks ties. So, like, you know, it'll, just, it'll be fun for them, for me, personally, to see those two win again. Or, or Luongo's case, win for the first time. Yeah, I mean, hey, any trophy, any cup is a cup. It sucks yeah. that it wasn't with the Canucks, but, yeah, uh, definitely would love to be a Florida fan right now, for sure. Not, not a bad time. Moving on to some quickfire topics from the weekend, we definitely got some big news in the NHL side, so we'll start off with that. Um, the Calgary Flames have officially announced their GM, Craig Conroy. Um, not sure. Do you remember him? I don't remember him. Uh, he played for Calgary for quite a bit uh, as a player. He was their assistant GM for nine years, and now he'll be officially, um, based on the news this morning, replacing Brad Treliving. And, yeah, so we'll see how he runs that because, obviously, there's some bad contracts there. Yeah. Um, like, at the end of the day, nine years assistant GM. Excited for him to finally get his opportunity take control over a team so that's that'll be just exciting to see yeah and then speaking of Bradshaw living he's linked to a Toronto job because Kyle Dubas hasn't been officially let go by the Toronto Maple Leafs he was obviously out of I believe out of contract and obviously a big name 
for the openings. Calgary was one of them, but um, but that being taken, it was Pittsburgh was the biggest one on the top of my head that has an opening right now. Um, Philadelphia announced their uh, Poho. But yeah, Kyle Dubas, last one we heard of him was the exit interview. And he did say, like, if I'm not GMing Toronto, I'm not GMing anywhere. So let's see if he's true to his word or will money talk. Yeah, like if I'm looking at pure like hockey, he deserves, uh, he definitely deserves a job for sure. Like, yes, playoff success hasn't been there, but like he created the roster like pretty well where like they were a consistent playoff team. And like this year, especially with the Ryan O'Reilly trade, he addressed his like the holes. Like he needed a player like Ryan O'Reilly, right? He added a, a def- defensive trades as well. Luke Shen. Yeah, Luke Shen, like, for example. And he he made the moves that he that needed to be made. It just, like, ultimately didn't obviously work out for them. I don't blame him that. Only thing I blame on him is the goalie situation, but that wasn't a key thing this year. But, yeah, I guess we'll see if he gets a job or not. Uh, how long will it take? Um, moving on, some sad news broke out in the NFL on May 18. Legendary running back, fullback, um, Jim Brown passed away at the age of 87 um we obviously don't know much about him we just heard stories of how he's a legend around the league um known for his time with the cleveland browns i think he played his whole career there he was a civil rights activist so he was part of those conversations with kareem abdul jabbar that classic picture bill russell regarding the muhammad ali stuff um he was a one-time super bowl champ and also a three-time mvp so rest in peace to a legend and condolences to the NFL family and his family and friends as well. Um, tough transition, but moving on, we had some big boxing fights on the weekend. Um, we obviously made a prediction on this one, but Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko happened. And entertaining fight, right? Very good fight. Very um, good fight. Usually when you see two technical fighters and stuff, it might be boring because like they're really good at their craft, but... We, you know, t- 12 rounds, it was a, ultimately it was a unanimous decision for Haney, but it, we were at the edge of our seats, right? That fight was very close. Like, it was very close. Like, for me, I believe Vasily Lomachenko won that fight because the w- rounds that each fighter won, right, it was hard. Like, you could have said this round could have went either or for a lot of them, except round 10 and round 11, where it was clear Lomachenko uh, Lomachenko just absolutely destroyed Haney. I felt like Haney was wobbling a little bit in the 10th and 11th mm-hmm. round as well. So, like, Lomachenko still has it, which is good. Yeah, because people were questioning, oh, he's old, 35 or whatever he yeah. is now. Clearly, he looked like the younger fighter. Um, I guess I slightly disagree in this sense. Like, I yeah, I would not have been mad if Lomachenko won or Haney won, or even if it was a draw, because that's how close it was. But at the end of the day, he dominated those two rounds. 10 9 rounds right the early fight rounds that happened round one two three four five yes it could have went either way so that's why the judge that gave it 116 112 i think that was bs i think it should have been 115 113 or a draw i definitely thought this should have been a draw but uh, lomachenko is appealing this um decision i don't know if it will work for him because it's that close of a fight i don't think yeah. it was like some obvious um overturn that could happen yeah it's not like it was a robbery right like i don't say it's robbery but it was close but for me loma like i disagree with you like for me lomachenko was the winner i guess for me because like haney's the champ did lomachenko do enough overall each round to take the belts away either way like i'm just glad we had like i had no stake in this uh 
got an entertaining fight. Lomachenko proved that he could still fight. So let's see what happens. Hey, he needs rumor to move up in weight. They might rematch. I don't know. But um, there's another fight that I watched. You didn't. It was a women's boxing, Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron. This was originally supposed to be Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. And you watched that first fight. Yeah, that and first it was a fight was really fight. good. Yeah. Um, I think Serrano had to pull up from injury. But this fight was very good as well. Like it was a lot of back and forth. Chantel Cameron ultimately won the fight giving Katie Taylor her first loss, but Katie Taylor moved up in weight to challenge. So I don't think she doesn't lose her belts. So we'll see as she said, rematch instantly, but I hope if, if it is a rematch classic again, hopefully it works out. And eventually the Taylor Serrano rematch happens. Uh, moving on to another woman's news. Um, WNBA has officially started. Yes. We know that ma- there are not many fans that watch around this, but at time to time, I do catch a game here and there. But the biggest news out of the WNBA, we have to bring this up, is Brittany Griner is back in the W. She obviously, like everybody knows, spent time in Russia in jail because of she was convicted um, for possession of uh, like a medical oil thing. But uh, and the other thing I'm looking at is that big three in New York, Sabrina Ionescu, John Qual Jones and Brianna Stewart. Any comments of the W? Yeah, uh, just good to see Brittany Griner back. She also had a pretty good performance first game back as well, which was nice to see. And yeah, the New York Liberty team is probably, for me, my favorite. Is because, like, Brianna Stewart is the best player in the WNBA for me. And it's good. it'll be fun to watch them. And obviously, the Vegas Aces, the, re- yeah. the, the reigning yeah. champions. Asia, well. Like you said, Brianna, I think Asia might be the best, but it's close for me. But uh, anyways, last thing before we close out the quickfire topics. Last time we talked about the Champions League final, it was set. A day later, the day we released our podcast, the UEFA Europa League is set, as well as the Conference League. So the Europa League, no surprise, Sevilla's back. Yeah. <laughs> Struggling in La Liga, beat teams like Juventus, Man United, uh, along the way. Um, with Juventus, they ended up winning an extra time to take the edge. And Roma uh, ended up beating Bayer Leverkusen. Leverkusen yeah. Um, with that early favorite, are you going to just go with Sevilla because good old faithful? It's a, it's a Sevilla league. It's UEFA Sevilla championships, <laughs> all right? Like, the final is a, who has a right to face Sevilla. And Roma has a right, but Roma also has Mourinho. Roma also had a pretty decent season as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a good fight. Uh, good not fight, but good match. It'll be a fun watch for sure. Um, To the conference league, the final is... Ironically, the only team that beats Sevilla in the Europa League, West Ham, is in the final for Conference League, and they'll be taking on Fiorentina. So yeah. I didn't watch much of Fiorentina. Obviously, we watched West Ham in the Premier League a little bit this year. So definitely, we'll see what happens with that. And the final thing is the Bundesliga title race is coming to the final day. So uh, Bayern Munich have choked. They lost to Red Bull. Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig, 3-1, I believe. And now they're, I think, three points behind. Two points behind, I believe. Two points behind. And Dortmund have the driver's seat. It's essentially, if they win or a Byron loss, they win it. And a fun fact, Marco Royce, who's been Mr. Loyal, will get his first Bundesliga title. Yeah, you'll, I'll love to see Marco Royce obviously get his title. Yeah, Byron pretty choked it a lot. But Dortmund's in the driver's seat, so it's good on them. And then... It's, yeah, just up to Dortmund to get it done. Like, Bayern got the loss. Dortmund won this weekend. Uh, I believe it was 2-0. I'm not sure what the score was, but, like, they won. They got the three points, two points ahead of Bayern now. 
So one more win, closes it, and good to see Royce lift his trophy. Yeah, it's like so, like you said, the projection just win and and champions. If they tie and Byron win, they're out because of goal difference. So essentially, the safe side is just win. Um, just one last comment on Byron before we move on to the next thing is they fired uh, Nagelsmann <laughs> and then to try to win a treble with Tuchel and they end up getting out of the DFB Pokal. They get destroyed in the Champions League by City and uh, now they potentially will choke the, uh, the league as well. So uh, we're just, I guess, the beginning of the downfall. Moving on to the final thing, continuing the footy talk, the Premier League. The champions have officially been crowned. Manchester City have officially won the league uh, after Arsenal lost uh, on Saturday. And City, uh, it didn't matter, but City ended up still w- winning by beating Chelsea 1-0. Um, your first thoughts? Um, your first thoughts, congrats, City. Um, three in a row now. I believe yeah. that's five in six years. So, I mean, City always have this late run where they come back and win the title. But Arsenal fans, I'm not going to say it's a disappointing season. Obviously, it's not. You're in the top four. And you your expectation was top four, right? It wasn't title at all. But, like, you have you cannot come away, like, saying that, oh, nothing happened. Because it, at the end of the day, it was a missed opportunity. For sure. 93% of the season, you were first place and not pulling it off. It's... It hurts if you're a fan of Arsenal, for sure. Like, you can't say nothing happened, right? Like, you can't say, oh, we'll be back next year. I mean, you could say we'll be back next year, but you can't say, like, this is not painful because, like, they are the youngest team in the PL. So they definitely will be back. The experience, definitely, lack of experience definitely got to them because... Um, um, and their lack of depth, personally, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and then that's where City just kept on, just went on the run and Arsenal lost it yeah um no, no, pretty much what you said um i predicted city was gonna win the league even when arsenal was first place um did not expect arsenal to be second so if you're talking about as a season arsenal had a successful season there's there's no denying that is but exactly what you said they were there right 93 percent of the season it was a stat we saw um that they had they were first place at one point i think five or eight points clear i'm not sure how, how it was with the games in hand um and arsenal did get knocked out early in some of the tournaments as well and whereas city was still playing you know they're in the champions league final they're in the fa cup final so yeah missed opportunity next like you could always say there's always next year but you can't guarantee that right because is man city gonna get worse no um hopefully man united is propels in the summer liverpool i don't see them being like this as bad as chelsea and tottenham were this year i don't see them being this bad Yes, do I think Arsenal's going to be bad? No. Um, they're still going to be a top four contender, title contender, especially if they take away what they've done this year. So, But overall, yeah, successful season, but disappointing ending because they easily could have been titles. Yeah, so like one point I want to make is like, it's a clear, it's missed opportunity. Everyone agrees on that. But like, there was an expectation at the beginning of the season for Arsenal. All right, top four is the expectation. But like, as the season went on, the expectation became title. So that's where you could yeah. s- add in the dis- disappointment factor in there. I'm not going to classify this season as disappointment at all, but it's definitely heartbreaking if you're a fan of Arsenal. Yeah, um, hey, I, I don't care. <laughs> but but like obviously just as an outside looking in, um, 
if they had won it, City was disappointing for not winning it with the t- squad they have, and I didn't want to hear no Champions League final excuse. But clearly, City um, flipped the switch. Someone who I've criticized a lot was Jack Grealish. He stepped up massively after the World Cup, especially like prior to the World Cup and last season, he was hurt, not living up to that price tag. And so far, he's now their main starting winger over Foden. So, yeah, congrats, City. You know, Arsenal successful season, disappointing ending, disappointing results throughout the way. But, you know, it is what it is. City have done it before to Liverpool. So, um, yeah, any any comments about the title? Yeah, um, I guess just like it's going to be an exciting race next year, in my opinion, for the title. Yeah. Because, uh, like, Arsenal shown they could do it, like, compete with City. Yeah. City is obviously City. Uh, Liverpool shown that they could compete with City. They're just an off year for them. Yeah. And then hopefully Manchester United, our team could add some pieces in to be in, yeah. that, jump, be in that race as well. Speaking of Manchester United, moving on. Top four battle right now is third and fourth are Man United and uh, at fourth, Newcastle. Surprise team of the year for sure. At third, at 69 points. Um, Newcastle having the higher goal difference. Uh, Liverpool at fifth. So that's the battle for the f- top four right now. Um, Liverpool, disappointing result on the weekend. Got lucky. Not I didn't say lucky. Got the late goal um, by Roberto Firmino um, to at least get a point, but to at least have a slim chance. But with Man United and Newcastle having two games in hand, a game in hand, but two games remaining, it'll be disappointing for either team, especially as a Man United fan. I'll be pissed that we can't get one point in the next two games. Yeah, you only need Especially one, at home for Man United. One point, two games, like, it's it should be over, right? Yeah. Like, it should be over. Uh, I'm not going to say, like, too much, like, about it because at the end of the day, Newcastle and Man United have been good this year, right? So, like, they're they're capable of getting one point in two games. So, yeah. Like, I'm not so, gonna if you just want to know what the schedule remaining is, Man United play Chelsea on Thursday and then they close off against Fulham. At, both of them are at home. Um, Newcastle play today at the time this is out against Lee, um, sorry, Leicester, who are desperate because they are in a relegation battle, which we'll get into. And their final game, I believe, is against uh, Chelsea. <laughs> so, um, obviously, can't count Chelsea out too much, but again, they had a dreadful year. But And then Liverpool close out the year against Southampton, who have nothing to play for. So, I project City, uh, sorry, Southampton to get a to lose so Liverpool to win but yeah I know um, as you were saying disappointing if both Newcastle it's, and United don't it's get it it's one point in two games like come on like you gotta get it done yeah. at this point now like and you have it in the bag now and that being said as of if we're projecting this you're projecting Man United Newcastle to get the champ third and fourth spot 100% and then Liverpool will stay fifth Um. so moving on to the European spots unless you have anything else to add no Uh. moving on will be like Liverpool fifth and now Brighton will be sixth most yeah, likely uh, they're sixth locked even with the goal difference they're locked because at Villa who are seventh um, are like 16 goals away so it has to be massive both ways so as of right now it seems like Liverpool and Brighton should be the Europa League candidates um, which means the seventh seed is open which is the conference league right and Right now, it's occupied by Aston Villa. And they're one point ahead of Tottenham, who are at eighth. And there's, they're two points ahead, uh, ahead of Brentford, who are ninth. So, and then after that, it's 
closed off. So pretty much each of them have a game. Villa just needs Villa win, they're in. Tottenham win uh, or draw. Not sure about the math there, but Tottenham has to win. Brentford have to win and Villa have to lose to have a chance. For Brentford, obviously, both of them ahead of them have to lose. The thing is, Brentford plays City. Now, they already won the title. They rested their players today um, against Chelsea. <laughs> they still won, so we don't we can't count that team out with Pep coaching that team. Um, Tottenham's last game is against Leeds, who are desperate themselves. So this is going to be a good matchup because Leeds, which we'll get into the relegation battle, are in it. And Brighton, last game is against Villa. Yeah, but like... Sorry, not Brighton. Villa is against Brighton. Yeah. So, Brighton are locked at six. Not too much to play for, but you still want to go out with pride. Yeah. Um, I think Aston Villa will pull it off. Unai Emery really changed the club around. Yeah. Once he got hired. So, I mean, they went on a big streak because they were in the relegation battle before. Yeah. So, now that you have a fighting for a European spot, is actually, like, really good. And they are a good team as well. Like, you know, Ollie Watkins, striker. Obviously, um, Emmy Martinez is in net. So, like, I trust them to get the job done. Yeah, um, so I, I agree. I think, I hope Villa, for the sake, because, like, Ashley Young connection with United. But not even just that, um, Tottenham being a more of a rival, in my opinion. So, it would be fun to make fun of Tottenham fans, even though they had nothing. <laughs> they had no trophies anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I guess last thing before we get into the final, uh, the awards relegation battle yeah so right now there's Southampton's done they're official place. yep uh there's three teams two of them will get relegated and those three teams are Leicester Leeds and Everton Everton is right now safe I believe 33 yep they're safe they're two minus points, 24 they're two points ahead of Leeds who are at 31 and then Leicester has two games in hand which is against I mean two games left not two games in hand, one game in hand. Which is against two. Newcastle at the time of this recording today. Um, at the time of, sorry, the release of this podcast today. Um, yeah, it's it's weird to see Leicester this low after winning winning it all, but obviously rosters completely different, managers are different. Leeds brought in Sam Allardyce, I believe. Uh, Big Sam, so... Not sure, but they still, they've got a tough test because they're playing Tottenham who are fighting for European battle. And Everton, let me just check who they're playing quickly. Bournemouth, and they have literally nothing to play for. They're in and uh, they're already up. And then the team above Everton was Nottingham, who beat Arsenal. So with that victory, Nottingham is secured safety. Secured it. So if you were to see, I mean, it's a great week to look ahead because next week will be a fun week to recap the season. Who are the two teams getting relegated, in your opinion? I think Everton will get the job done. I believe they're also playing the team that has nothing to play for. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win because Bournemouth has been on a good run. Just they gave us some trouble on the to, weekend. To avoid a relegation. So I believe that Leeds and Leicester have the tougher opponents with uh, Tottenham, who has something to play for, and Newcastle, who has something to play for as well. So... That's why I would say Everton, I would just say, I feel like all three teams might lo- just lose. True. Yeah, I mean, who knows yeah. what could happen, draw, loss. Um, Everton, obviously, they control their destiny here. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be a fun week ahead, for sure. Can't wait to come back next week to talk about it. But before we can go on to the last topic again, sorry, 
I just have a quick question for you. I've seen this debate recently after City won the title. Pep Guardiola versus Jose Mourinho, right? Jose is leading Roma last year, Conference League champions. Now try to dethrone Sevilla to become Europa League champions. Preference-wise, who do you want? But who do you think has the greater legacy managing-wise? And who's the great like who's the greater manager? If you're looking greater manager, it is Pep Guardiola in my opinion because I mean yes, Mourinho has done it in multiple leagues, but so is Pep. But at the end of the day, like what Pep is doing in Man City, yes, he has a lot of help, you know, with all the finances really and stuff. Like yeah, which obviously helps. But three titles in a row, five in the last six years, it's still no easy task. Like it's not like they dominated, like every year like there were some years where they had to come back and like win the title which showed like that pep has a locker room still you know pep's tactics still work pep still you know managing egos can manage egos could motivate his team to still like you know keep winning the premier league even after when they won it so many times recently so the argument that people have against that right preference i prefer pep style of play i'm not a Mourinho guy he coached united he won us some trophies, but other than that, I've never been a Mourinho guy before and after he joined United. But in terms of legacy-wise, what people say this, he won it with Porto. He won it with Roma, the Europa League. He was, sorry, Porto Champions League. He won, he's took Roma above the ground. He's obviously took United, not to league title winners, but won some trophies, whereas the other managers after Fergie left didn't win anything. People are saying the swap, the teams... Pep won't even get Roma to where they are right now, whereas Mourinho will get City to this spot. And you two, that you say what? Pep, uh, yeah, because there's like certain, but Pep styles is offensive. Is offensive, right? So there's like there's certain people that fit Pep's style, whereas Mourinho, like Mourinho could work. Mourinho style, like, is more like hustle style, you know, defense style, obviously. Like, yes, of course, he prefers players like he wants you know proper defenders and all that stuff but like he could still like uh make the team work hard because defensively you got to be you know be able to work hard to be successful in my opinion like defense is like a lot of hustle for me right like if you're hustling you know you always have a chance to be a good defender so like that's why i feel like in Mourinho's play style like almost anyone could fit in it as long as he has them you know dialed in right Whereas Peps is, like, very tactical, very, you know, all these movements and all this, like, you know, you got to have, like, good ball control. You know, you got to have no fear playing out of the back, right? Like, Ederson is, like, just dribbling in his own 18 box after time because, like, that's his, that's Pep's play style, right? That's how he coaches, and that's why he went out to go get Ederson because he couldn't do it with uh, Joe Hart, Joe Hart he, and Claudio Bravo. And Claudio Bravo, right? So, like, so there's... So the coaching styles are different because Pep needs players, right, to like fit his coaching style. Mourinho could like mold the team still. So which is why people want say Mourinho's better than Pep though. Yeah. Whereas so you're saying the opposite in this case, and and overall legacy wise. Overall legacy, like, it's hard for me. It's very hard because like the point I just made obviously does favor Mourinho, right? Because Pep hasn't done much in Champions except for that one year in Barca, I believe. Yeah, so it's very tough, but coaching style, I would say Pep. Legacy-wise, I would probably go with Mourinho. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I might have to agree with that just because 
coaching that Porto team back in the day, even though we didn't really watch much of it. I heard big things about that. He's won it with, um, he's won stuff with Madrid. He's won stuff with United, not at the, not at the Premier League title level, but he's won stuff with Chelsea, you know, so on and so forth, right? Roma, he's helped out. So, yeah, um, obviously my preference as a manager would have been Pep, but yeah, I guess I, I tend to agree with you at the end there. Um, final thing, the Premier League player of the season, team of the, sorry, not team of the season also, uh, manager of the season and young player of the season award nominees, nominees have came out. Uh, you will definitely have a take on the, uh, we both will actually on the manager, but just to start, uh, player of the season, I feel like it's an easy answer, but I'll give you the nominees and just go from there. De Bruyne, Holland, Kane, Odegaard, Rashford, Saka, and Trippier. I mean, record-breaking year for goal scoring. It's got to be Erling Holland. There's no debate. Yeah. Um, once upon a time, yes, Rashford and Saka made a slight case, but they both kind of fell off a little bit as time went on. And I don't think Kane and De Bruyne will get it. I think Odegaard could be second. And obviously, Trippier has a case as well, but I agree. Holland should be unanimous. Yeah. And here's going to be a funny one. So, young player of the year. It's Saka again, Odegaard, Martinelli, McAllister, uh, Sven Botman, Moises Caicedo, Isak from Newcastle, and Erling Holland. He's... <laughs> Wait, what? He's in it for a young player again. I guess his age is like 22, so like, I think. So if he wins player of the year, shouldn't he win young player of the year? That's my point. That's why I said you're going to have a laugh. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's uh, a lock. So that, then that's, that's a lock as well. There's yeah. so Erling Holland. Otherwise, <laughs> if if you were to take Holland out of it, um, I would probably go with Bukayo Saka. Sure. Yeah. I, I tend. I mean, you guys could get an argument with Odegaard as well, but yeah, it probably would be Saka. Yeah. Um. I guess the last one, which is we have some slight interest, but maybe not manager of the season nominations that I could see the face you're making. <laughs> so these six managers were are Mikel Arteta, Deserbi from Brighton, Unai Emery, Villa, Pep Guardiola, Eddie Howe from Newcastle, and Marco Silva from Fulham. There's a certain name that we're that's missing that how the hell is Eric Ten Hag not in this, right? <laughs> um, I understand if it's three nominees, right? Because like those three nominees probably would have been Arteta. It would have been... Uh, Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe and uh, Pep. Pep, right? There's six nominees. Did anyone see Manchester United last year? Like, you know, soccer is my favorite sport. I couldn't watch that team play. Like, I genuinely couldn't watch that team play last year because they were so bad. And then Eric Ten Hag came in. Yes, first two games were horrible but ever since then i could watch him play right i don't know how i don't know who's i don't know who's controlling it but eric ten Hag, not being on this list is absolute bullshit it's as simple as that yeah i mean uh, that's what i'm letting you speak because i literally agree everything you really said there i mean yeah all everybody on this is sure you could argue ahead of him not really even but except marco silva fulham finished 10th right 10th place. And don't get me wrong, that's a good season for Fulham. But if you look at what, like you said, Manchester United did do last year, they were shit. Like, they were not watchable. They 
fell off with Oli and rang Nick uh, eventually. And you bring in a guy from Ajax who people said should have been Pochettino, right? Some pundits and all that stuff. And dude changed the culture. Yes, later on in the year after we won the Carabao Cup, which, by the way, he won a trophy for us. Yeah. I'm um, not sure if that counts as the Premier League itself, but yes, we kind of like the lack of death showed like Arsenal in the title race. But you got Harry Maguire playing okay football. <laughs> yes, later on in the year, he choked against Sevilla and all that stuff. But you got, you got David De Gea a Golden Glove Award the way he plays defense as in a team and attacking, right? Bro, you, you got players to believe. You again. turned Rashford into like a demigod for <laughs> that one, that run that Rashford went on after yeah. the World Cup. Like, so, yeah, it's mind-blowing that he's not even on it. Do I think he should have won it? Maybe earlier in the year, right? Ultimately, if we, once we'll make our prediction on who we think deserves and who will win it, he should have been top three, right? Uh, I love Eddie Howe. I love what he's done at Bournemouth before he was let go. I love what he's doing right now in Newcastle with not that great of a uh, roster compared to the other um, teams around in the Premier League. If you look at that list, sure, City, Arsenal deserve it. Newcastle deserve it. Manchester United is fourth. Even before the year, they thought they were bare, they were going to be fifth or sixth, right? When Ten Hag made the comment when he was trying to get Frankie the De Jong about we're going to be champions next year, people are like, nah, you ain't. Liverpool will be ahead of them. Liverpool's behind them, right? Yes, we got our ass kicked by Liverpool. I get that. But we still are ahead of them. And we still beat them still. And we beat them once at the beginning of the year, right? Yes, Unai Emery did an amazing job. Deserby after Graham Potter, amazing job. Right, but Marco Silva, really? <laughs> Marco freaking Silva is ahead of Eric Ten Hag, who's tenth place. Uh, yeah, it's mind blowing. I, yeah, um, I don't think he was gonna win it. I, did, I'll say that out there. I'm not saying I'm not getting pissed off that he's. Oh, well, he should have won it. He would have been a contender. Yes, he had the stretch late where he should have not won. That's the reason why I don't think he'll win. But he should have been a top six guy. Yeah, 100%. Top four, for sure. <laughs> I feel like we've done well to, like, hold in our rage here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But but I guess like, we should transition on seeing who's going to win. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to win. Uh, for me, it's Mikel Arteta. Yes, Arteta? Um, and the reason why I'm saying it's Mikel Arteta, if you look at the expectations, like I was making the argument for Ten Hag to be in this case, City was my champ. Sorry, Premier League winners from day one, right? To title City, to um, uh, battle City for that spot was Liverpool for me. Obviously, Liverpool had a disappointing year. And then the other team was Chelsea, who had a horrendous year. Two manager fired. Um, and yeah, so, but with, like you said, the stat, disappointing stat at the end, but holding the league, because if this is a true, truly a Premier League award, um, then it goes 93% of the time they led. I still think it should have been Mikel Arteta because they were they um, Dom and Man United were supposed to battle for fourth, in my opinion, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, um, I agree with you for sure. For me, yes, Pep won the league, but like Pep's won a lot, right? Uh, he's won Coach of the Year before, right? For sure. I I can't say for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Pep won a Coach of the Year, but or Manager of the Year. What do you want to call it? It's between uh, Mikel Artada and uh, Eddie Howe for me because, like, both their teams, like, from last year to this year, like, is one way I'm looking at it is, like, you've seen improvement, right? Like, Arsenal was, you know, at best a 
a top four contender last year. This year they gave him they became a title contender. Newcastle was mid table, bottom Maybe European, half, bottom half. I don't know where they were last year. Or this but year I know they were in Champions League. Like this I know they were in Champions League, and the fact that they could finish third place, uh, ahead of Liverpool, ahead of Man United, ahead of Chelsea, ahead of Tottenham. And without even spending too much, because like yeah, they have new owners. We're like, oh, they're probably going to spend a lot of money. They haven't. So the improvements that I've seen for both of those teams are are reasons why like I would put those as my like top two guys for sure. Yeah, uh, who do you think will win? I I would give it to Arteta. Is that your preference as well? Uh, no, I want to see how win though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess yeah, same. My preference is how, but I I don't mind Arteta winning it because. It's, he was at the to- top at the top. Yeah. That's the only edge I gave. If Arteta was second the whole way, like City was running away with it from day one, then I would have said Eddie Howe. But just because Arsenal had Arsenal fans believing and even like not the rivals scared that they might win it all, there's the only reason why I'm giving it the edge to Arteta here. Yeah, that's why I'll give it to Arteta as well. That's what I think. I think he should get it. And I think he deserves it as well. Yeah. Um. So it will be a one heck of a week. We'll find out who gets relegated. We'll find out what the official European um, European contenders for next year. So that's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Um, again, follow our socials down below. We will be posting more TikToks, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. Um, and like you said, please subscribe as we, are look- we would like to hit 100 subs by the end of this month. Um, other than that... Uh, We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.